what I'm seeing are our people in the ERGs are reaching out, they're checking in with their community, people are sharing their experiences, they're offering advice um, through some of our virtual channels that they use to communicate every day. How we try to keep our BRGs engaged is to still continue to share what's important to their communities. Our LGBTQA BRG sharing information about, you know, what is important to immunocompromised members of their community. It's really kind of forcing some networks to take stock about, oh, maybe our communication isn't as effective as we thought it was, which in a way is a good thing. So yeah, there's pros and cons I'm, I'm, I'm seeing at the moment. Those are members of my panel who I will be introducing later. They're talking about their perspectives, their responses, and their observations in connection with how employee network chairs and members are responding to challenges arising from the coronavirus. In this special first episode of Season 2 of ERG Power Talk, we will only hear from a panel and later on one guest comment. This is not your typical episode. In the first half of the program, we will talk with our panel about the challenges in keeping employee networks going at a time when governments are banning groups of 10 or more people from meeting to avoid the spread of illness. We will explore how some companies have been able to continue meetings and events in spite of this, and we will also look at future plans for upcoming events. Finally, we will end this first segment with a look at how companies are maintaining the vital one-on-one connections between sponsors, chairs, and members that are so important to these communities. All of this and more, but first, this. This is ERG Power Talk, and I'm your host, Joe Santana. The purpose of ERG Power Talk is to provide a forum for the exchange of great ideas and inspiration for ERG leaders, as well as others that are interested in supporting ERGs. No more waiting until the next conference and praying that you have the budget to travel to the conference in order to find great ideas and find stimulation toward action. Just subscribe and listen at your convenience. Before we begin, a quick note of thanks to our supporters and sponsors. Atrium Health, Fredert Health and Wisconsin Medical College, Mass Mutual, Lockheed Martin, Avenod, Daimler Trucks North America, and Sony Pictures Entertainment. Now, let's go straight to the program. Welcome to our first live recording of the ERG Power Talk podcast. This episode on remote engagement of our ERG BRG members that you are about to hear was scheduled for much later this season. Given, however, the recent events around coronavirus that have resulted in a large number of people working from home, I thought it would be more timely to release this now. I also thought that it was such vital information that it would be a good idea to get it out into the hands of the public right away. So we decided to do a first for us. We decided to invite a live audience to sit in during our panel discussion recording. Before I introduce the panel and take you to the live room where we held our discussion, let me offer you a little bit of context. A short time ago, I read an article that stated that according to Upwork, a global freelancing platform, about 73% of all teams in organizations will be comprised of remote employees by 2028. Recognizing the direction that we're moving in, organizations like Gallup wonder what employee engagement will look like in the future for people who interact primarily over video or conference calls. Well, it seems like that 2028 challenge got here a lot sooner than we expected. So pivoting toward our focus in this podcast, what does that mean for ERGs, BRGs, and even diversity councils? Well, like most groups within organizations, these networks have been built to be mostly in-person associations, associations that are, by their very nature, high-touch important associations that are at the heart of supporting diversity, inclusion, career development, networking, home and hearth, and many other things that are important for specific communities and the entire organization. Communities that surely need to stay together and supportive and focus, especially now during a time of crisis. So how do we avoid having to put all these efforts on hold for an indefinite period of time due to the need for social distancing? How can we keep 
keep and maybe even build on our gains and momentum in spite of the current and even future challenges? How can we address this in a way that prepares us to more effectively continue embracing the growing number of remote workers? Thankfully, some organizations have built some good experience in these areas. Two of those companies are here on our panel today to share their experiences. From Freighted Health and Medical College of Wisconsin, we have Sherry Tran. Sherry is a Director of Diversity and Inclusion and a Strategist. From Avanod, a company that's a joint partnership between Accenture and Microsoft, we have Erica Fletcher. Erica is a Global Diversity and Inclusion Group Manager. And rounding out our panel with even more of a global perspective is Sharon Inko Taria, author of The Incredible Power of Staff Networks and a non-executive director of Homerton University Hospital Foundation Trust. She is based in London. Let's join the panel now in the live virtual recording studio as Erica Fletcher responds to my first question, which is, what are the biggest challenges you see ERGs, BRGs and council groups facing? I think that um, on the surface, it's it, it, it's all of the things that um, all of our other groups are struggling with. And how do you move ahead with these various initiatives? How do you keep that focus on the goals and objectives in this really chaotic um, and, and very distracting time frame? So I think they're facing some of the same challenges that our other work groups are. Um, for us at Avanade, we're actually very used to working in a very virtual environment. Most of our employees are consultants who e are either working at their client sites or they're working from home. We're all very um, enabled to be able to work in any environment um, very mobily. So we are already used to that virtual environment. But I think where um, our ERGs are particularly challenged is that they, we all have this fundamental need to um, connect and find encouragement. And this is where our ERGs are really shining. Um, and, and these are the things that really get me so excited about the work that we do. Because what I'm seeing are our people in the ERGs are reaching out, they're checking in with their community, people are sharing their experiences, they're offering advice um, through some of our virtual channels that they use to communicate every day. Um, and I know we're going to talk a little bit about that um, later on in the panel discussion, so I won't, uh, <laughs> I won't preempt that. But I, I really love how this situation is um, bringing these communities together and sharing in ways that they otherwise aren't sharing. It's very human, and they're talking about what their home situation is. They're acknowledging all of this diversity that we have in our different circumstances because some people are isolated at home by themselves. Some people are with their families. Some people are homeschooling their children while they're trying to work a full day. Some are caring for older parents, either in person or from a distance. And, and all it's another intersectionality that we're seeing with all of these different ERGs and people are really reaching out and trying to care for each other in those communities and so I see this actually bringing these communities even closer together and they're building even even more strength um, but they are having to be very intentional about doing that um, they're not just seeing people in the hallway you know they do have to reach out and send those messages and check in with each other um, but it's it's a really beautiful way that people are just strengthening those communities and I'm really glad that we have those ERGs there because it's another way again to humanize and connect people in a way that they may not have otherwise on their work teams so Erica it sounds like based on investments that you've made in the past and the kind of organization that you are, that you are literally capitalizing on that in this situation because you were somewhat already prepared. Sherry, what about you? As a healthcare organization, it's particularly important for us to make sure that we keep the safety of our patients and our staff as a priority during these health crises. Um, so making sure that we are maintaining that, that social distancing that is recommended by the CDC and by our health departments, um, trying to manage that and balancing trying to maintain the, the service to provide care to our patients, but also um, not losing sight of the purpose of our BRGs as well. Because um, it's uh, 
competing priorities during this time. And, you know, a lot of times that priority is going to go towards, you know, that, that health crisis as, as number one, which is understandable. Um, but how we try to keep our BRGs engaged is to still continue to share what's important to their communities, uh, specifically during a time of crisis. So if it is, you know, our LGBTQA BRG sharing information about, you know, what is important to immunocompromised members of their community during this time and sharing information about that. So still continuing to be a resource um, to our staff members uh, as well um, during a time where they may be seeing patients that are members of these communities and the different nuances that help to serve them better. So, so trying to still connect to the, the connect to the priorities that are facing the organization at the time. One thing that's been a real challenge for us is that our BRGs have been incredibly active in our communities um, and going out there and participating in volunteer activities and supporting the communities, which we aren't able to do right now. Um, so again, just still trying to maintain that opportunity to be a voice for the community and amplify the needs of their community um, within our organization is, is how they're trying to kind of fill that gap. That's great, Sherry, especially considering that you guys are operating, obviously, on a crisis mode right now, but you're still keeping your eye on the ball in terms of your BRGs and the work that they can do uh, during this time. Sharon, what about you? Yeah, um, unlike um, Sherry and Erica, I'm not um, an employer per se, so I'm looking at... Um, networks across the you know i'm looking at it across like from an aerial perspective and there's two things i've observed if a network and when i say network everyone i mean brg erg we call them networks in the uk but if a network is organized and it understands where you know how its members are and, and so on i have found that they can respond far easier and quickly and more effectively than a network who has you know, is more maybe immature in its journey. Um, they're kind of struggling with how to effectively communicate. And so that's where we can step in and, and equip them and help them to understand, give them ideas about how they can quickly get information out there. Um, but yeah, those who are used to agile working, they're on it. They know exactly how to communicate very quickly. And then there's others who are, oh, we're only used to seeing each other at lunchtimes, <laughs> yeah. you know, once, once a month. How do we get the word out? And yeah. so it's really kind of forcing some networks to take stock about, oh, maybe our communication isn't as effective as we thought it was, which in a way is a good thing. So, yeah, there's pros and cons I'm, I'm, I'm seeing at the moment. Yeah, I agree that there is a big pro in this, which is that, as you just pointed out, now it's making us question how we've communicated in the past, which may have excluded people who were then remote workers. And it's literally forcing everyone to explore new ways of connecting, which will become even more vital in the near future. So let's talk a bit now about what events or activities you've been able to successfully run and how you've done it in spite of the call for social distancing. Sherry, I'm going to go to you first for this next question because I recently spoke to your CDO, Andres Gonzalez, and he told me about an event you originally planned to do in person that you quickly and successfully moved into the virtual world. Tell us what happened. Sure, absolutely. Um, so um, we were planning uh, the launch of our newest uh, business resource group at Freighter, which was our Women in Leadership group, um, in coincidence with Women's History Month. So it was a, a panel discussion with some of our um, presidents of our organization who happen to be female, talking about their leadership journeys. And it was, you know, we had, you know, over 60 to 60 people registered to attend this event. And the day of the event was the very first day here in Wisconsin where they started to limit uh, the size of gatherings. Recommendations were, were, you know, sent out to organizations on that day. So wow. we really had to pivot, you know, pretty quickly as far as uh, how do we maintain this, uh, this event uh, and still deliver on the, those promises of safety for our staff and, and patients. So we were able to utilize the technology that was available to us um, and made it a virtual uh, panel discussion, similar to what we're doing today, actually. But it was a, a live stream event that we turned it into where people could log in from their computers and view the event live uh, and submit questions in real time. 
Um, we also um, reached out to all of the folks that registered and contacted them ahead of time to solicit any questions they might want to ask if they're native, that since they aren't able to be there in person and make sure that they all still felt engaged. Um, we had planned to do uh, a raffle giveaway uh, at the event of some of the leaders, you know, favorite books that helped them in their journeys. But instead of doing a drawing, we just entered everybody's name that registered into the drawing and ended it that way. So we made sure that everyone still felt uh, part of the part of the uh, event. Um, it went off really well. Um, we actually also recorded the event as well because we knew some of our care providers were going to be pulled away at the last moment. Um, so it'll be accessible to all of our staff members to be able to view it later. So those are some of the things that we never really had to, um, to, to try to put in place before, although other organizations may already do that as a practice. But for us, um, our staff was very appreciative of being able to still be engaged and really appreciated the event and uh, uh, the, the accessibility of it um, made it a lot more engaging for people as well. That's great, Sherry. I'm sure that took uh, some quick thinking and some nimble action on your part to get it done, but wonderful. Erica, what about you? Yeah, actually, uh, again, with International Women's Day, um, we had just been wrapping up Black History Month in North America and then had International Women's Day. And the way we approached International Women's Day this year is we've always had an emphasis on local events, being able to bring people together to learn, to network, you know, and really engage with some of these topics. And so for this year, what we had done is we had provided a lot of centralized materials um, that people could modularize and build their own programs and really have um, support in how they built a really impactful local event. And um, some of those materials were, um, we had already designed them with a view that they could be done virtually or um, in person, um, but some of them were much more um, in-person based. And so as the situation unfolded, I think, um, you know, similar to Sherry's example, you know, we quickly realized that we needed to um, help the local planners flex. And so while some events were actually carrying out, we were busy behind the scenes taking some of those modules and um, adjusting them so that they could more easily um, transition into virtual events. So panel discussions, you know, and giving um, these local planners, some of whom may not really have a lot of experience in planning even an in-person event, much less a virtual event and giving them all of the prompts and the things that they needed to look for, um, even, even when it came to uh, doing um, uh, signing release forms with data privacy laws and what did panel members who may be perfectly comfortable doing it in an in-person setting, but when you convert it to a virtual setting and it's going to be recorded or live streamed, you know, what what needs to be in that release form, you know, where do we have flexibility, et cetera, and allowing for enough time for that. So we really went through, we, we adjusted the content. Um, we had to give prompts to our local planners as to what to take into consideration. And as a result, you know, we did have some um, local events that very successfully transitioned from, you know, maybe half-day events to maybe a one to a two-hour virtual event um, with some really robust discussion and conversation that took place. We even took a design learning, uh, a design thinking session and converted it from in-person to um, virtual, which was wonderful. We had uh, some, some great team members um, around the world who just jumped in and really helped us do that very, very quickly so that we could get the materials out to the local planners. Um, and, and then there are some local events that decided to postpone. Um, and unfortunately in China, particularly in China and Japan, um, they just had to outright cancel um, because of the situation there. Um, and some locations, again, like in China, they don't have the internet connectivity um, in their residences to be able to sustain um, a, a, a successful virtual event. And so they just had to cancel outright. Um, but what we did is we just worked with everybody's different situations. Um, and, uh, you know, I think everybody just, we're all, you know, we're all on the same team pulling in the same direction um, and different solutions worked in different locations. And, and somehow, you know, we all just flexed and, and we made it happen, whatever was going to work best for that location. And I think in the end, we all feel pretty satisfied that we, we've had a pretty successful International Women's Day this year. 
didn't happen exactly the way we'd thought it would, but it did happen. And uh, I think we had some really impactful events as a result. You know, I especially like how you use a variety of responses for a variety of situations. I know that many of our listeners are global companies and that this is a good way for them to consider addressing the needs of their group members that are in different places around the world. So what are the plans for the upcoming large-scale celebrations like Asian Pacific Islander that's coming up in May here in the United States or network group celebrations held in other countries? Sharon, I'm going to go to you first with this since I know you are deeply involved in the celebration in the UK called Staff Network Day, which takes place on May 13th. What are some of your plans for driving this forward while respecting the need for social distancing? Uh, yeah, so thanks, Joe. Great question. So in, in the United Kingdom, we've been celebrating um, Networks Day. This is coming up for the fourth year. And we've encouraged um, organisations and their networks to celebrate as a community where they are. So there isn't this one big event. It's a series of different events. And, and normally they all get together for conferences or have a market stall or have cake and something like that where there's people congregating. Um, Obviously, with the current situation, it made us as a team think about how can we support networks across the UK, even though they may not be able to physically um, get together. And, you know, it's just last night we had the very, very long discussion um, via Zoom. Um, and we forced ourselves to think about some questions. What is it we're asking networks to celebrate differently? So how are we going to start to emulate that how are we going to do things differently as a team and that really forced us to think about we can't get together what what would we like to do so we're going to turn things around a bit similar to what both Shari and Erica have done you know just going to pivot the situation and um, there was a product that we're pushing out this year it's a free assessment tool and we've just turned that around to uh, make it more about um, you know, physical and mental well-being for the leaders of networks, as well as how do they feel valued when they're not in the room? How do others feel valued when they're working remotely? Um, what, is in, what does inclusion look and feel like when you are by yourself, but you're part of something bigger? And so that's really pushing us to think about if we can answer those questions, what's the best way we can get that information out? Is it infographic? Is it podcasts? Is it videos? You know, we're having a live webinar, so we're asking everyone to sign up on the day. And we've just said, okay, let's make this the biggest staff network set webinar ever. And so we're turning it around to make it a bit more positive, so at least people have you know, something that they can still sign up to and still think ahead about because the obviously with COVID-19 and the priorities that everyone else is dealing with, it's it's difficult to see a glimmer of hope sometimes and we're just saying look you're doing you're doing great work we don't want to put the day aside we still want to celebrate you we're just going to do it differently and we want you to be able to celebrate with us whether you're you know able to um you know through your phone or through your desktop or your laptop or your tablet we just want to be able to make sure that everyone can celebrate so it's it's quite in a weird way, I kind of like it. It's, it's forced us to get out of our comfort zone. We've become really complacent um, about how we do things. And it's forced us to think differently about what celebration looks and feels like. Um, so, yeah, um, that's how we're going to turn it around. That's fabulous, Sharon. I encourage everybody who is listening in now to consider joining in in this opportunity to celebrate and recognize the people who volunteer to run our networks. And if you're interested in celebrating and being part of this virtual global staff network day and helping Sharon to make it the biggest one that's ever been had, uh, <laughs> then please send me an email and let me know. I'd be happy to connect you in and make sure that you and your teams can also participate in this because I think it's a wonderful thing to do. So besides joining global celebrations like Staff Network Day, what else can employee resource groups and business resource groups do with these tools to keep expanding their tent? Because there really is a potential here for building bigger networks using these tools than what was possible in the past. 
Well, it's a great point, Joe. And I think it is, as Sharon was saying, you know, we have to redefine and um, create maybe new definitions of how we approach some of these these things. And, and yet we want to be inclusive of everybody. And that, of course, includes your remote workers. Um, it, it's really easy, of course, to include the people and the things that are right in front of you. Um, and it takes real intentionality to make sure that you really are including everyone. So, you know, I really appreciate everything that Sharon was saying about that. I think that, um, you know, as we are... Creating those new definitions, you know, we're creating new routines and new working habits and redefining those boundaries. Um, this situation that we're in now is, for me, it's it, this is not remote working, right? Because this is so different from what my routine and my boundaries were two or three months ago. Because now it's it's not just working remotely, but it's working remotely and possibly, you know, you're, you're isolated um, and you may be homeschooling your children at the same time. Yeah. And, you know, you may be caring for par- your parents and you have all of these media distractions and the situation is constantly changing, even from hour to hour as governments are making new announcements about new restrictions or programs or, you know, et cetera. And then of course you've got all of the emotional, um, you know, uh, turmoil that's going on at, at the same time, and that's affecting everybody. So for me, this isn't a normal working remotely situation. This is yeah. extreme. So, you know, hopefully, as we are trying to figure things out, we're not looking at this situation saying, this is what working remotely is about. Oh, my gosh, get me back to, you know, what we had before. <laughs> this is, <very laughs> this right. is different, right? Yeah. But, I, but on the flip side, I hope that it is showing companies who are being forced to enable their employees to work remotely or more in a more mobile fashion than they were before, that things really actually are more possible than they may have thought. Um, and it does open you up to new opportunities um, and, and more flexibility than you may have had before. And, and so I'm really hoping that that becomes, um, you know, part of our new way of thinking after this whole situation. Yeah, absolutely. So in addition to group meetings and running events, clearly people who are chairs of diversity councils, chairs of ERGs and BRGs do a little more than that. What are we doing in terms of maintaining that? How are we maintaining virtually that high-touch, one-on-one connection with executive sponsors, with members, and with others? Sherry, I'm going to start with you again on this. So a lot of our our ERG leader, or BRG leaders in our organization do have that um, one-on-one touch. They're, they're kind of the point person, the go-to people in organizations that people seek out um, and oftentimes are that first point of contact with when issues arise and then they kind of partner with, with our department and our HR team to elevate any concerns. Um, we've provided them with uh, resources as well. Um, we encouraged all of our BRGs uh, to, you know, maintain virtual meetings going forward for their foreseeable future. We already had that set up to encourage participation for all of our staff members. Because again, being in healthcare and direct patient care, it's not really easy for our staff members to get away to attend meetings in person. So we've always had dedicated conference lines set up for these teams to use um, and also had dedicated, you know, cost centers as well for them to to use for that time that they were attending meetings. so we've asked them to maintain that, um, and if they aren't able to have, uh, you know, effective meetings virtually, we ask them to keep in contact with all of their members via email newsletters and updates to keep them up to speed on what's going on and what kind of work is being done so they still feel informed and connected to the work. Um, so we ask them to uh, employ those tools as well. Um, just to make sure that the communication lines stay strong, um, that people don't feel like it's been, you know, put in the back burner, that it hasn't been set aside, that it's still important, it's still relevant, and they're still uh, a part of uh, the greater uh, efforts that are going on in the organization. That's great. Thank you, Sherry. So let's step out of the virtual recording room for a bit to take stock of what we've heard so far. One, 
We are all on a journey now to better understanding how to keep moving forward in this environment. Some companies are further ahead due to the nature of their business and or the maturity of their groups, but we can all learn by connecting with each other across enterprises. Two, to their great credit employee network chairs and other leaders in the Office of Diversity and Inclusion are stepping up to face the challenges. Three, the current situation is making employee groups take a long, hard look at their past communication and engagement practices. Some of these practices may have excluded the smaller number of people who are already remote workers before all of this started. So one silver lining that may come out of all this is that employee networks will end up having even more inclusive engagement practices that will embrace all those people who will remain remote workers after this crisis is over. Something that will continue to be increasingly important as the percentage of people working remotely continues to grow. Four, converting meetings, one-on-one relationships, and events from face-to-face to the virtual world is not easy, but it's not impossible either. Five, The bottom line is that we should not be putting the brakes on our employee networks at this time. First, because if ever there were a time when people need to feel less isolated and connected, now during social distancing is that time. And second, because this may just be the time to take a tough situation and leverage it to drive us into the better and more inclusive future. Coming up, we're going to explore tools that you can use to keep your communities engaged and moving forward, as well as practices that are essential for success in that virtual world. First, though, let's pause and listen to this brief message about ERG Power Talk and our sponsors. I'll rejoin you with the panel again back in the virtual recording room on the other side. This is ERG Power Talk, and I'm your host, Joe Santana. The purpose of ERG Power Talk is to provide a forum for the exchange of great ideas and inspiration for ERG leaders, as well as others that are interested in supporting ERGs. No more waiting until the next conference and praying that you have the budget to travel to the conference in order to find great ideas and find stimulation toward action. Just subscribe and listen at your convenience. Before we begin, a quick note of thanks to our supporters and sponsors. Atrium Health, Fredert Health and Wisconsin Medical College, Mass Mutual, Lockheed Martin, Avenod, Daimler Trucks North America, and Sony Pictures Entertainment. Now, let's go straight to the program. Welcome back. Erica, I'm going to direct this question to you because I know this is uh, this is your wheelhouse here in terms of technologies that you advise that listeners add to their toolkits. And then I'm going to ask the others to round it out a little bit with a couple of other things that maybe they're using. But why don't you lead us off on this? Certainly. So there are a lot of tools that are out there. Um, and I think as a foundation, you know, there are a lot of collaborative tools out there. Um, and of course, I'm going to say Microsoft Teams. Um, that's what we use. Um, and through Microsoft Teams, there is chat capability, calls, um, videos, meetings, um, ways to collaborate, you know, people working in different locations on the same document at the same time. Um, and so that is definitely something that um, encourages enables the flexibility and being able to do that remote work across, you know, a team where everyone may be in different locations. Um, And then Slack is another example of another tool that's out there in the market. Uh, We use Yammer, um, another social media tool for discussions, um, particularly with our employee resource groups. It's a great way for people to come together on different topics, discuss, share articles, you know, and other topics of interest in, in a stream streamlined way. So that's that's a great tool as well. Um, the cloud, of course, is something that I highly encourage companies to strongly consider. It is the way that uh, the market is going, um, a great way to collaborate, again, across the distance and keep your work um, up to date, you know, in the moment um, and uh, being able to move from device to device, location to location, etc. But aside from that, you know, there's some other really great tools out there. Um, for example, there's Humu, 
H-U-M-U.com. Um, and this is a company where they can um, customize for a particular company, work team, etc. But they also now, in response to this um, coronavirus situation that we're in, they also now offer virtual um, nudges that are more generalized. And it's a great way you can, anyone can go out to their site, Hulu, uh, Humu, H-U-M-U.com, and sign up for their nudges. And they come through every couple of days and they will give you short scientifically based suggestions that will help you work better from home or work better virtually as a team. Um, and in fact, I signed up, I learned about this last week, I signed up and I've already gotten a few nudges in my work email and they're very, very short, very absorbable, um, great little reminders for how you can be better um, at, at that virtual working environment. They're also, you know, Teladoc is something that a lot of companies have started looking into, um, and it's something that our company introduced last year. Um, it's great for remote health care, um, particularly when you're in these isolation situations that we're in now, um, where you can get health care without having to go to an emergency room, urgent care, or your doctor's office um, for whatever reason. So those are some other virtual um, tools that are out there that can really support this this kind of a situation, but also virtual remote working as well. Um, Adobe Connect is another tool that we, we have started using for delivering training, um, and it also allows for breakouts and, um, you know, whiteboarding and things like that when you cannot come together to do training. Um, so that's another one to consider. And then I think also looking at ways you can optimize the various tools you already have, like really making sure that you are using the different chat channels and the whiteboard functionality um, to really be able to come to together in a really dynamic way so that you don't lose some of that capability that you may have had for in-person events or meetings. Um, also, things like creating channels where you have a virtual water cooler where people can come together um, and, and check in with each other and maybe even share um, information um, on things that aren't directly work-related. Um, I know people um, in different companies who may have Slack or Microsoft Teams, and they have channels dedicated to cats or pictures of kittens, you know, and it's it's a way for people to come together and share a topic that they're interested with, interested in, and a little levity in their work environment, um, you know, to kind of, you know, break down some of that tension and help people connect a little bit better. Um, we have, uh, at, on our team, within our division, we have a a channel that we called the water cooler and we're just sharing funny memes, um, helpful tips, you know, and things like that just to be able to come together in a very human way as a team um, that we may not have an opportunity to do with a really focused, um, you know, status meeting. So, you know, there, there are ways to use some of the things that you already have and just think about maybe using them a little bit differently to make sure that people are connecting and have an opportunity to check in with each other. That's wonderful. Thank you for that long list, Erica. When I asked you that question, I realized, I stood back a little bit because I knew I was opening the sluices, right? And, then, <laughs> and I have more, but I know you do. Call. I know. We'll have another call on that. That was a great list, Erica. Thanks. This is Sherry. We um, utilize Workplace um, at Freighter, which is like Facebook for, for work. Um, so that's been a great tool to really get information out because people can access that anytime and they can access it from their phones. Um, if they're not at the workplace as well. Um, so that's been a great tool. We, we are able to utilize that. And then, you know, we use Skype for business as well um, to keep people connected. Um, we, we are very cognizant of making sure that we don't uh, bog down our bandwidth from a lot of folks that are having to work remotely during this time to make sure that we have the, the bandwidth for our technology that we need to maintain our, our healthcare services. So, so we encourage people to be very mindful about that as well during this time. I know it's a very unprecedented time for all of us, but it's uh, kind of uh, making sure that we're being respectful of uh, what we're using uh, the Wi-Fi for and what uh, we're, we're using our um, remote access for to make sure that it's um, essential use only. Excellent. Thank you. And Sharon, anything to add? Uh, yeah, thanks. Um, again, thank you, Erica, for that great list. I was making notes myself. I thought, oh, this is really good stuff. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think what we are trying to do is just to encourage 
um, networks to think about what they already have. And it could be that they have lots of ways of communicating with each other. It's just that they've never quite mastered how to use those tools. So we're, we're encouraging them to think about, do you really make the best use of things like Skype and Zoom? Um, do you actually understand how to utilize it so you can create a bit of a community? Um, not everyone, a lot of our employee networks are working for the National Health Service or in the civil service. And so they are all set up on different systems. So we're trying to encourage them to think about what, what, what do you use in your everyday lives and how can you utilize that in your, in your network life, as it were. So we're just trying to encourage them and putting together some how-to guides and tips and things that we've learned. And we're going to be sharing those with, with networks so that they don't have to worry about, oh, how do I log on to Zoom? We're going to do all of that for you just to make, we're trying to make it as easier uh, as possible for them to know how to communicate quickly while they're um, working remotely. So, yeah. Great. Thank you for that, Sharon. So one last question for you. Communicating on a virtual platform is quite different than communicating face-to-face. -face. In face-to-face -face communication, there are a lot of nonverbal cues, such as facial expressions, tone, physical posture, etc., that we use to gain a better understanding of the other person that we're talking to or the group that we're talking to. And without a doubt, it is more challenging to build trust, pick up important messages that enrich communication, and to detect emotions that we may need to mirror, among other things, when we're online. So what are some techniques that you've all discovered as best practices along the way for getting around these online obstacles and increasing and enriching engagement when working with people who are not in the same room with you? That's a tough one because I don't think we've all mastered this art yet of, of even being on a conference call and making sure so everyone gets to have their voice heard yet. Um, but I think um, one of the key things is to make sure that there's structure and uh, that there's expectations that are set prior to. Um, you know, if there are questions, we make sure that we utilize, you know, sometimes with Skype, we have the chat platform like we do today with the Zoom chat to make sure that people can express their questions without feeling like they have to wait for a break in the speech to be able to jump in. Um, so that gives them an opportunity to make sure that somebody's monitoring that. Um, during uh, our meetings. So when we have our conference call or virtual meetings for our BRGs, we always have one person dedicated to the, uh, the Skype chat to make sure that they're fielding any questions in real time that make sure that everyone feels that they can be heard. Um, so that's important. Um, but also just making sure that we give people that or take a break and ask the question, you know, and let people have that opportunity to, to raise questions or, you know, ask clarification um, versus it just being a, a you know, being a, le a lecture via phone, you know, having it really be a conversation and a dialogue um, is important to make sure that people feel included and, and that they're part of the conversation. That's excellent. Thank you, Sherry. Uh, Erica and Sharon, anything to add to that list? Yeah. Um, so a, a couple of the things that we do is, you know, we do try to to check in um, now again with this situation, you know, we're, we're trying to do a little more intentional checking in at the beginning just to talk about, hey, where are you? What's your situation? How are you getting through this? Again, you know, bringing some of that human connectedness in and just acknowledging the thing that we're all trying to deal with. Right. And it's challenging all of us. Um, and so I, I see a lot of the calls, you know, we're dedicating a little bit of time at the beginning just to, to talk about that. And then we can get on, you know, with the work of the call. Um, on group calls, a lot of times we'll ask, where are people dialing in from? You know, as people are joining the call, please put that in the chat. Helps people connect and see where people are dialing in from, which I think is a fun, fun way to get people engaged. Um, I think on calls, you do have to be very intentional about um, making sure everyone's participating and asking for people's um, input. Uh, you can get people who really dominate um, and talk a lot, and you have to guard against that, just as you would in an in-person meeting. But on a call, you know, again, or, or a video call or audio call, you do need to make sure that you're asking for the input for everybody in the room, just so you can make sure all of the voices are being heard. Yep, now stop dominating. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Sharon, anything to add? Yeah, just a couple of things. Um, and I loved what you were talking about before with the virtual water cooler, but I think 
with us we'll probably have to have a virtual pouring of tea you know when everyone's just getting together you're pouring your tea and you're having your first sip and everyone's just settling in um, that definitely has to be um something we do but i do think you know um one thing i find works is when similar to what you've done today where you know you assign questions so you give people a little bit of a heads up that a question may be coming their way or you'd be looking to them to take the lead yeah. and that way you're making sure that maybe some of those who's you know it you know, those who can be a bit quieter, you've given them something to focus on so that they are contributing or whatever. Um, I think it's just, um, you know, just being mindful of your tone and, the, and and listening to other tones that come through. Do you know what I mean? I think sometimes we can just overlook some things when we're fe meeting fe people face to face, but when you're doing it virtually, you almost have to be even more mindful about the language and the words that we use and how we say them and so on. So it's just those things right there that we can take for granted but i find that when i am on a call i have you know i'm more conscious of that or i'm deliberately more conscious of that yeah absolutely and, and as i was listening to sharon when you said instead of the water cooler or coffee break tea i thought tea with biscuits of course based of course <laughs> absolutely <laughs> that's fabulous thank you sherry erica and sharon you've been a wonderful panel well, thank you. Thank you. Normally, this would be where I would sum up and end this episode. But for this particular podcast, because we did have a live audience, we continued the conversation after the program recording. And there were two more comments that came up that I thought would be valuable to share with our listeners. One comes from one of our guests and the other comes from one of our panelists. So this first one from our guests gives you two more tools that you can add to your tool chest. Hi, Rennell Dunham from Prativity. Um, in my group, we talked about just the, the great work that our employee network groups are doing and our, our team, we were a team of two, talked about really recognizing people. And so my teammate actually uses GoTeams and in our company, we use Kazoo so that you can share and just share about what, you know, great events and activities that our ENG leaders are taking because, you know, this is, they're volunteers, of course, and so just making sure that people have recognition as well when they've done a really great job. And this last comment from one of our panelists, Sherry Tran, gives us great advice on how to handle our upcoming events. Sherry, in our group, you know, one of our uh, group members uh, was asking about, you know, do I postpone this event that we've put a lot of planning into, and it's one of our big events, or, you know, do I pivot and try to do something different? Um, and we talked about how, you know, it's important to, you don't necessarily have to just do one, you know, it's not an all or nothing proposition. It could be a both and, um, where you do some things in the interim, but still, you know, wait to do larger events. And Sharon was in our group as well, so we were fortunate to have her expertise as well. And she had a great point saying, you know, sometimes we get caught up in doing these, you know, Black History Month and, you know, Women's, International Women's Day. but it doesn't just have to be one day or one month. We can spread out this learning and this education throughout 365 days of the year. Um, so it's an opportunity for us to make sure that we are addressing these things, you know, in, like I mentioned, in small bites or, or learning bursts throughout the year. And then when we do have that opportunity to have the large event again, you know, we can still have that large event, but doesn't stop us from sharing information and education um, in the interim. And that great advice, my friends, concludes this segment of this episode of ERG Power Talk. So what did we add to what we learned in the previous segment? First, there is a huge arsenal of tools that you can use to continue to engage and drive forward. Here are just a few of the ones I picked out. One, Microsoft Teams. Two, Slack. Three, using the cloud to share across devices. Four, Humu, spelled H-U-M-U dot com, for encouraging tips. Five, Teladoc, which may be of value to any of your at-risk populations who need medical assistance and information without leaving their homes. Six, Adobe Connect for training. Seven, 
building channels within platforms like Microsoft Teams and or Slack that act as virtual water coolers where people can casually meet and connect. Eight, workplace, a Facebook-like tool for business. Nine, Skype for business. 10, go to Teams. And finally, 11, Kazoo. One other suggestion regarding what to do before going out to get tools is to look at what you already have. You may have one of these, or you may have other tools that basically do the same job in your organization. So go check around a little bit before going out to get new tools. Now, with regards to best practices for meeting some of the special challenges of connecting with people virtually, here are some of the ideas. One, have a solid structure for your meetings and events designed to include every participant. Two, enable features like chat so that they can contribute their ideas without interrupting another speaker. Three, make sure someone is monitoring that chat to keep everyone engaged and heard. Four, do check-ins in your meetings to find out what your participants are thinking about and flush out any concerns they may have. Five, make sure everyone participates. If people do not take the initiative to jump into the discussion, call on them and get their input. Six, also assigning questions to participants ahead of time so that they can prepare and know that they will be asked to participate is another good technique. Finally, seven, be mindful of your tone, your language, and your words, since in many cases, these will be your primary tools of communication when you're not in the same room. As I mentioned at the start of this program, I moved this topic to the beginning of this season of the podcast because I felt it was important to get this information to you sooner than later. Help us spread the word by passing this program on to others. Remind them that social distancing does not mean that we should stop doing our important work, especially now. And as many of our panelists pointed out, use this as an opportunity to get ahead of the curve and start preparing yourself and your group for the rapidly approaching future world of remote work. Thank you for tuning in to ERG Power Talk. If you enjoyed and got value out of this program, please like us and leave a favorable review at your podcast provider's site. Also, invite others to listen to the show. I'm Joe Santana, and thanks again for tuning in.